Well, good morning. So glad that all of you are here. This really is a big day for a lot of reasons. Uh, for those of you who uh, are in ministry or, or work around uh, churches, they call this like the Super Bowl of Sundays for churches. And I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I mean, I don't understand why this would have anything to do with the Super Bowl. Mainly because I love the Cowboys. And Super Bowl for me is like we're sitting at home not watching our team play, not watching them win. So when people say Super Bowl Sunday, I'm like, oh, no, that's not it at all. Like this is something so much better. I mean, this, is, this changes everything. And it really does. And so we're glad that you're here. When we think about Easter, a lot of times we think about bunnies. We think about sweet chocolate treats. We think about hiding Easter eggs. But really, we do celebrate it, but we celebrate it because we remember of what happened before. For those of you who have spent some time thinking about the last days of Jesus' life this last week, they call it the Passion Week. And if you look back at the, the uh, Latin word, the root for passion really means the, the suffering of Jesus. And it was truly the suffering of Jesus. But we sometimes get so caught up in, in what happens afterwards that we forget what Jesus went through. We call it the, the wondrous cross and we call it Good Friday. But, but for the people at that time, there was nothing good about that day and there was nothing wondrous about a cross where Jesus was nailed to and died but we know the rest of the story don't we we know it we, we've heard it we've lived it out through through the little baby blue flannel board from Sunday morning school we've heard that story over and over again and it truly is an amazing story and so this morning I want to celebrate Easter with you by playing a game now I know y'all are excited there's a pinata that's not for you that's for the kids they're gonna get that later they'll have the Easter egg but but right now I want to play a, a, a game with you and it's more of an adult game honestly I'll confess I don't play it but my wife plays it I know a lot of you played it. it's called Wordle so we've kind of adapted that a little bit and I've created a game called Squirtle it's where scripture and wordle comes together I'm gonna patent it it's gonna be great so we're gonna be actually be using that because there's four words that I want us to focus on so for those of you who like wordle this is great I know my wife likes it Lance likes to play it they have this competition every day I'm not gonna tell you who wins but I will just say this Jennifer is more than just a pretty face uh, and so she does come away with a lot of wins. And so hopefully you can get into this a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll try to give you a, a little bit of clues as we go along. But this first word um, is, looks all mixed up. If we go to the next slide, I'll kind of explain how it goes. If there is a, a green uh, letter, uh, if it's surrounded in green, it means that, that that letter is in the correct place. If it's a, a yellow letter, it means that that letter is in the word, but it's not in the right place. And if it's gray, you just completely missed it altogether. So if you see a gray one, don't let it confuse you. It has nothing to do with that word. So anyway, we'll go, go ahead and go on with that. But before I do, I want to share a story. Author and pastor uh, Jeffrey Gibbs tells about a story of a couch and his wife, and a warranty. 
They had decided years before that they were going to buy this beautiful leather couch. And as the salesman was was trying to get them to buy this warranty for the leather couch, he said, okay, here's the deal. He says, if after seven years you don't use that warranty, you can come into our store and we will give you $180 credit to use on anything that you want for in the store. And so she says, "I I want to get that. I want that warranty. And sure enough, they made it the whole seven years without having to use the warranty for the couch. Now, Jeffrey, he had completely forgot about the warranty, but his wife hadn't. And she knew that that $180 could go for another piece of furniture that she wanted. And she said, hey, Jeffrey, guess what? It's been seven years. It's time for us to go and get that $180 credit. And Jeffrey said, no, 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 no. There's no way. There's no way that they're going to accept that. Like they said that. That was like seven years ago. There's no way they're going to honor that. But they go to the store, and sure enough, the store makes good on their guarantee, on the warranty, on their promise. And so every time Jeffrey walks by that beautiful oak bookcase that they bought from the credit they had, he is reminded of how important it is that we keep our promises. Now he has a bookcase to remind him, but for us we have this morning we have easter and we have every sunday and honestly we have every day in which we can remember that we worship a god who keeps his promises but this was a really odd promise a really unusual prophecy that jesus would share and give to his apostles and ultimately to all of us back in Luke chapter 9. This is months and months before he's going to be arrested and tried and crucified and buried. But he's going to make a promise. Right before this happens though, it's Peter who says, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. But they don't really understand what that means. And so Jesus is going to say in verse 22, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He would call them to go on and live a life as he had lived. And he's going to say, if anybody wants to come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. But tucked away is this guarantee this prophecy, this promise. So let's go back to our squirtle. Let's look at this very first one. Can anybody guess what the first word is? Promised is the first word. I think I have it up there. So if you got that one right, you're one for one. If not, um, you're one word behind my wife because I know she got that one already. 
Promised is the first word. Way back from the very beginning, Jesus made a promise that he would be the sacrificial lamb, lamb for his people. And he made good on that promise. So I know you're already looking to that second word. Don't get caught up too much in it. I'll help you along in just a minute. So let's go ahead and let's flip to Luke chapter 24. For those of you who are familiar with where we are now, or, or maybe you need to be caught up a little bit, Luke chapter 23, Jesus has been crucified. He has now been buried. The women are ready to go prepare his body with the spices to, to embalm him. But unfortunately, because of the way things worked out, they weren't able to. It was too late in the day. And so on the Sabbath day, when they would have gone, they still couldn't go because it was the Sabbath and that would have been work. And so they rested that day. They stayed away. And then it was going to be on that, that Sunday morning, starting in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, when they are going to go to the tomb. No doubt those three days prior were filled with tears and with questions, with anger, and with a grief that could not be comforted. But let's pick up in verse 1 of Luke 24. It says, On that first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they found they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now stop there. Don't keep reading. I know you want to. But you've heard the story. Don't keep reading. Just listen for just a second. Because I want you to live in the tension of what has just taken place. Because we hear empty tomb and we say, yes, that's great news. But not for them. But not for them. For them, they didn't really know what had happened to the body of Jesus. All they knew is where it was supposed to be, it wasn't. But I want to go back for just a second. I want to ask the question, what brought them to the cemetery? Why would they go to the place where dead people were? Be because Jesus' body was there. Listen, guys, I want you to understand this. They didn't go to the cemetery because of faith. They didn't go to the cemetery because of hope. That's not where hope resides. I've had some special people in my life that, that I've loved and that I've lost. And one specific uh, friend of mine, he, he was a minister. We were very close. He had a brain tumor. And within a few weeks he had died. He was healthy, he was vibrant, he was my co-worker, my best friend, my mentor, and my hero, and just like that, he died. And I can remember the days and weeks and months after his death, I would go to the cemetery and I would sit there by myself, and it wasn't a place of hope, it was a place of brokenness and questions and anger and tears. And that's what led those women there that day. But they also went out of there out of love 
and obedience. Whoever Jesus was, they loved Him. And they wanted to be obedient to someone they cared for. So they showed up to prepare His body. But what is important is our second word. In the midst of the overwhelming heartache, what's the second word? Does anybody know? They returned. They didn't really know why. They didn't fully understand it. And boy, doesn't that just really kind of define who we are in a lot of ways in the midst of the, the craziness and the chaos and the unanswered questions? You have them, don't you? You have the brokenness. You want to know why the marriage didn't work. You want to know why you, you lost your job. You want to know why your, your child didn't survive, while you're, why your, your spouse passed away. You're living in that time of, of anger and question and frustration and grief. You've been there before. And they didn't really know what to do. And so they simply returned. So let's keep reading on in, in verse 4. It says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over in the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. It came back to them. But before then, they couldn't really see, they didn't understand, they didn't know, they didn't have the faith and the hope that they needed. They were overwhelmed. With confusion and grief and hurt, just like we feel today. The noise, the lies, the hatred, the sheer busyness of life, it makes it so easy to forget. But this is a story worth hearing, it is a story worth telling. And it is a story that needs to be our third word, remembered. You know, I want to give these women credit. Now, we give them credit for the fact that they loved Jesus, that they were obedient in the fact that they went to help Him. But they didn't understand the story. They didn't know that He was to be risen from the dead. They had heard it before, but they had forgotten. Or maybe it just seemed too hard to believe and it's not just them it's not just them later on they're going to go to the apostles to the other 11 and tell that story and they're going to say well that's not true you're telling tales it couldn't have happened that way and maybe all of us on some level say why couldn't they just get it why didn't they understand but if we were to time more back several thousand years witnessed the brutal death of Jesus to watch his lifeless body be taken down off the cross and put into a tomb boy I think it would be really difficult wouldn't it 
sometimes we need that reminder. When we gather together as a family, we gather to worship God, we, we gather to remember, but we also gather to remind. You know, just in this last year, we've, we've lost some folks that we love dearly. The last several years have, have been a difficult time for all of us, hasn't it? Just, just being pulled away and stuck in a room by yourself or maybe even worse with just your family if you have little kids. Just, it could be a traumatic experience. And so when we come together, when I see your faces, when I'm reminded of your stories, of your heartache and the fact that you're here still worshiping, you remind me of who God is because of your faithfulness. Your presence here this morning is a proclamation of who God is and what He's done in your life, even in the midst of the sorrow and the sadness. I would love to say, you know, follow Jesus and everything gets great. But it's not always like that. In fact, a lot of times, those Fridays aren't that good and those Saturdays are painful. And we just haven't gotten to Sunday. But it's so important that we remember. Fortunately, though, it's not the end. I want to read just one more verse. Verse 9 from Luke 24 says, But when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. Now, verse 9 really is just going to give us a glimpse. But the book of Acts and some of the letters that follow are going to chronicle the lives of the men and women who were promised, who returned, who remembered. And our last word, people who were changed. They were changed people. You know, it's one thing to be given a promise it's another thing to actually return, but not really sure and know why. And even to remember we can do that. But this is the really the hardest part of the message. Is to actually hear this story. And to believe it and to live changed lives. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a big difference between Luke 23 and Luke 24. You see, before the resurrection, they were in their houses. They were resting and weeping, and they were kind of looking for normal. Isn't that what we say a lot now? I just wanted to get back to normal. They were looking for normal with no story to tell. But after the resurrection, they weren't resting, they were running. They weren't weeping, they were celebrating. They weren't looking for normal with no story to tell. They were changed and they now had a story to tell. And the story is this. What the world meant for evil, God could use for good. We don't want to just remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We don't even want to just celebrate His resurrection. We want to live changed, transformed lives. This 
is His story. And this is our story. So yes, we should celebrate. And I don't know if that involves Easter eggs and pinatas and Super Bowls. But I do know that our lives should be drastically changed every single day. For some of you, you're stuck in that place where you've forgotten. Maybe, maybe you, you know a little bit about it. Maybe out of obedience, you're kind of following. You're, you're there, but you're not really there. Maybe Satan and this world and your brokenness has stolen any hope that you could have for the future. Maybe you're caught just trying to pass the day, staring at screens, thinking it'll never get better. Or even worse, I could never be loved. But Easter Sunday is this story that is for you. (laughs) That says... We serve a risen Savior. And no matter what has gone on in your life, no matter what mistakes that you made, we serve a God who loves and forgives, who calls and who changes. And this morning, I want to ask you to think about what life would be like if you let that transformation take place. The fact is, this world is longing for a story that changes lives. It's a story that begins with a promise and a Savior and an empty tomb. A promise that Jesus would love you, that He would die for you, that He would save you, And that he would leave a tomb empty and fill your lives forever and ever and ever. And so this morning, I want to invite you to think about a changed life because of Jesus and how we worship a God of an empty tomb because of his love for us. I want to ask that you will join me in celebration as we sing this song this morning. Tim.